I'm Jeff Wells, and you're listening to Walk Among Heroes, a podcast dedicated to honoring the brave men and women who allow us to enjoy the greatest privilege in the world, freedom. Each Tuesday, I'll sit down with an American military hero. We will listen to unedited, authentic stories in their own voices, in their own words. We will hear incredible military stories from some of the greatest heroes to ever walk the face of this earth. And who knows, we may learn a few of their secret life lessons along the way. Although none of us can begin to imagine what they've seen, heard, and experienced during our time together, I'll do my very best to take us all for a walk among heroes. Here we go. I'm Jeff Wells, and you're listening to Walk Among Heroes podcast, episode 40, with Mr. Gilbert Clark, Royal Air Force. And this is just going to be a very short episode. Had an opportunity to sit down with Mr. Clark today for 20 minutes or so. Just another amazing human being uh, that we've had the honor of meeting here in Normandy. And Mr. Clark has a very unique story. Uh, He wasn't involved in active combat during World War II, but he grew up, uh, was born and raised in Jamaica. And when he was in high school, uh, members of the RAF, which stands for the Royal Air Force, came to Jamaica and began recruiting uh, airmen for the Royal Air Force. And so he volunteered and he wasn't even sure at that point exactly how old he was. He was most likely a teenager. And he re- volunteered for the Royal Air Force, was then brought to the United States, and sailed over to England in a troop ship. And from there, he began training with the Royal Air Force, and eventually he became a technician on radar equipment for a variety of different planes. And he supported those planes, installed the equipment, maintained the equipment, and I think we probably discussed this in the past, but radar equipment was actually developed during World War II, which frankly is amazing to think that back in that time, radar equipment was even possible. But World War II, you know, that span of time, more technology was developed, m- much of which technology is still in use today. So without further ado, we're going to turn this over <coughs> to Mr. Clark. At the end of the podcast, we'll talk about what we did today, what's coming up on the itinerary, and just sort of a general overview of of the trip and how everything is coming along on the trip. So thank you so much for tuning in. And if you'd like some information on what we're doing, be sure to visit Walk Among Heroes and definitely follow along on Instagram, Facebook, the at sign Walk Among Heroes. Without further ado, here's Mr. Gilbert Clark. Here uh, with Mr. Gilbert Clark. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is kind enough to join us for today and tomorrow. And Mr. Clark is going to be part of the Night for Our Heroes panel discussion this evening. And I wanted to see, Mr. Clark, if you could just give us a little background on where you grew up as a child, uh, where you're from, all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? I'm from West Indies, Jamaica. River Mars. I joined the Royal Air Force in Jamaica and um, we were posted to South Virginia in America. There we joined the American forces. What age? What age um, did you leave Jamaica? It's a debated point. <laughs> Approximately. Um, about 17, something about there. Okay. We're supposed to be uh, 18, but we're all falsified the age. 
Danny Megan Forces, South Virginia. From there, we all left from there to trip ships from America going towards Europe. We joined many more ships in the Atlantic to the hundreds. In the meantime, ships were getting torpedoed. What year was this approximately? Um, 44. 1944, okay. And we managed to escape. We hugged the um, American coastline up to Canada. Okay. Top of Canada down to um, Ireland, on the Irish Sea, and down to Liverpool Street, where, I mean, Liverpool. We were getting trained from Liverpool to Yorkshire. I see. A fire camp. A beautiful camp, I thought. Because, you know, that was a, a holiday camp. They had hot and cold water, swimming pools, seats and beds. Well, that was and nice. So, was, so we said to ourselves, oh, lovely. Well, the Air Force is, you know, top. <laughs> That's like the American Air Force. It's the same. <laughs> We're there for a week. Then they posted to um, Hanmanby, Hanmanby, Cambier, and that's what we call and this nut, you know, cooking line, line of floors, a hot stove in the middle of the floor, coal fire, no hot and cold water, there's a tap in the, in the field. And we got to a mess in. So if you want a cup of tea, you go to the field, turn the tap on, fill the mess up, put the mess in on top of the stove, get your hot water, make a cup of tea. <laughs> Same thing applies. If you want to um, have a wash, you hit the um, water in and it's messed in, put it on top of the stove, to the basin, have a wash. That was... Um, like a torture. <laughs> but our instructors told us that was to um, toughen us up. I see. Harden us up. We live only a week and we were posted to a normal camp. And there we did training, combat training, rubber training, gas mask training, um, field training. It was split into different days. Then do um, electronics training, radar and physics and so on, maths. So you had alternative days, combat training some days, some days in physics and so on. Um, that went on for, well, oh, few years. Then there's um, the D-Day invasion. Yes, June 6, 1944. Mm. We were in the um, workshop, mending um, items like radars, transmitters, radar equipment from damaged aircrafts. And then they put it back in payment off again. And we could hear this joining noise. Mm. 
Then you give it louder and louder and louder. So he said to an instructor, what's that? So he said, oh, I think it started. What started? The invasion did it. Wow. When you look at the sky, you couldn't see any blue. You saw black planes, hundreds and thousands of them, all different sides, different shapes. And those were the airborne soldiers taking off. Uh, wow. It's fighters, bombers. So our lads shot. Go on, boys. Give them hell. <laughs> You know, you, when, after victory days, we were pleased to see you know, the end of this, this war. And you were training during that time, learning how to operate on the planes. Yeah, operate radar equipment. And that was, that was the initial use of radar equi- equipment, yeah. wasn't it? So you yeah. were probably one of the first people started, to learn. yeah. To learn how to use radar. It's a new invention. Very interesting. Mm. And so you stayed there uh, until after the war. No, no. It's right after the Yes. Um, 1948 okay. came out. And, and that's what you did for your uh, career was basically maintaining the, the radar and the radar systems and the planes and that sort of thing? In, in, yeah. Um, in civilian life, the nearest thing to that was um, like the uh, the high street goods. I see. Um, wash machines, televisions, oh, radios, I see. microwaves, and so on. I see. So the the Air Force gave me some good background training. I see. And is that what you did when you uh, left the Air Force? Yes. Yes. Very interesting. So when you when you came originally from Jamaica. Mm. To the United States, mm. did you know at that time that you were going into the Royal Air Force, or did you, were you trying to join the U.S. Air Force, or how did that? How did um, you end up in the Royal Air Force, coming uh, from the United States? Yeah, you were. Um, I just left school. What day are from school? Some leaflets came around the door. I'm joining the Royal Air Force. Then in the papers and the news, they say this um, cited. U-boats in the Caribbean. So I thought, boy, we're trying to do something about it. <laughs> so join up. So they came to you in, and recruited you, basically. Yeah. How many, at that time, how many uh, uh, residents of Jamaica joined the, either the... Oh, hundreds. Hundreds. I, I have not met... Uh, you're the first person that I met uh, from Jamaica that was recruited in the military like that, mm. uh, which it's very in- a very interesting story because I don't think there are a lot of people that know the history there and understand how mm. that all works. I really, I really think that that's a, that's a really neat and important aspect that, that a lot of people don't, don't um, mm. entirely understand. So uh, you were uh, in... Great Britain, same time you were in Great Britain, mm. uh, just in different places. Yes, yes. just in different places. And Mr. Kelly, of course, you probably mentioned, but he flew into. He was maybe one of those guys that you saw in the air 
because he flew into Normandy on a glider. Oh yeah. So you and what what type of aircraft uh, did you work on? Did you say? Um, everything really. Okay. Um, it was the systems that C7. you were working on in different aircraft. Um, Halifaxes, Lancasters, um, Spitfires. Yep. Just the um, damaged aircraft came in. They took the instruments out, service them, like receivers, transmitters, and so on, to our workshop. They would try and repair them, test them. Yes. And have to give them a very, very good testing. Then they'll put in a, they call it a vibration rack, which shook the hell out of them. And any deviation in the scope is rejected back again. Once it was all done, everything is correct, then they install them back in the plane, and off they go again. Another raid. At that time, England was very, very, very low in equipment. That's... Uh, thanks, thanks to America. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and how much did you understand at the time you were a young man, uh, as was, was uh, James, how much did you understand about the big picture of what was happening in the war? Did you understand uh, the stakes or the importance of what was happening after you heard the reports of the U-boats in it, near your home? Did did that resonate or were you just too young to even understand that? Oh, it was, it was getting, getting it's very, very serious because the way things are going on, this takeover could expand all over the world. Yep. So... If we didn't do anything about it, or try to do anything about it, perhaps we wouldn't be here now. Right. No, absolutely. And uh, after after the war, you stayed in Great Britain. Yeah. You stayed in Great Britain, and you worked in the skill that you had learned, mm. uh, as you said, in the, the Royal Air Force. And did you do that for your whole career? Um, you stayed in Britain. Um, all my children were born in Britain. Okay. I went on occasion holiday back to Jamaica. But the residence was in Britain. How many children did you have? <laughs> many. Okay. Okay. Six, eight. Six. <laughs> six. Um, from my mum and two from another. Okay. Understood. Understood. Uh... Why don't you say hello? Hi, to, uh, say, my uh, name is Kay. I'm Gilbert's youngest daughter. Youngest daughter of the six. And uh, have you been to Normandy before? No, first time. Okay, first time in Normandy. Have you been to Normandy uh, before, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Gilbert? What What do you think of the experience so far since you've been here? Have you been Do you Have you been able to see any of the Battle site activities. I and haven't seen like, anything. Okay. We, arrived, we arrived this morning, so okay. we're, we're waiting to go out and explore. You're going to see when, when you, as soon as we're done here, uh, you're going to get to go out and, and see some things. But tonight, where we have the the Night for Our Heroes event, that's in Saint Marigliese, which is the first town that was liberated uh, during the uh, first U.S. American 
<laughs> town that was liberated during um, during D Day. Oh, and so you'll see when you go into town, you'll see there's a church there and a steeple, and there's a paratrooper mannequin that's hanging from the steeple, and that symbolizes a U.S. soldier that was caught on the church steeple on D Day. His name was John Steele. Uh, he was wounded. He acted like he was dead. Eventually, the Germans figured out he wasn't dead. They captured him. And a few hours later, he escaped German captivity and returned to his unit. And he's the only soldier in St. Marigliese that they didn't kill wow. uh, versus capture. He was the only one they actually captured. And so when you see the, the mannequin hanging from the church steeple, that's why. But that whole t- entire town has tremendous history. And then, of course, Jim at that same time was flying in on a glider on the other side of the invasion force uh, over uh, uh, in, yeah, in, into Ronville and, and that area. And he was in a glider versus a parachute. So yeah. tremendous history just around this where you're sitting right now. Airborne troopers landed everywhere. Uh, this chateau was occupied by the Germans. Uh, it was their German headquarters. And then on D-Day, the United States, we came in and we, we took it from them. But in the basement of, of the chateau, a U.S. soldier signed the wall on June 6, 1944, and, and dated it. So there's history. Oh, wow. there's, there's, have to have a look at that. Yes, I'll take you down there. Yeah. But there, there's history all around. Just behind you. Oh, we saw the bullet hole. Yeah, just yeah. behind you. That I mean, that's sort of all, the, all of the uh, proof you need, you know. Yeah. But um, is there anything you'd like to say about your dad in terms of his military history or anything that, that he may have not mentioned or anything um, like that? <clears throat> oh, what, from, you always asking him about, did he stay doing electrics yeah. when he came out of the army or well, the war? Yes, he carried on doing that. He was doing um, TV engineering and uh, microwaves. I think he was one of the first people to work on the microwave okay. when it was being invented all those years ago. Mm. Wow, you talk about a unique skill. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's very amazing. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I just, it's fascinating. And, uh, and you did that the rest of your career, basically, right? And then eventually you retired? Are you re- officially retired now or still <laughs> yes. working? <laughs> Last question for you, uh, Mr. Clark. I, I just I, I wanted to ask you this. I asked Jim the same question last mm-hmm. night. But when for children these days, not children, but teenagers, you know, uh, we have Mike, who you met. His son is here with us. You'll meet later. He's in the army now, in the active duty in the army now. What advice would you give these young guys today in this world today? What advice would you give them? The same thing I've done for the last um, few years. I've done many um, school lectures. And I always say to them, instead of walking the streets, join something like the Boy Scouts, Girl Guides, or Girls Brownies, Sea Cadets, Holy Force Cadets, Instead of walking the streets and, and doing nothing and in trouble. So, to walk the streets is like a drug. It's contagious. You talk to somebody and then someone encourages you to do something else. 
which is bad, and develops the gang, and and you're finished. So, if you had a background like from the um, Girl Guys, Boy Scouts, Brownies, Brazilian band, which two of my boys were in, yes, you 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 develop a different atmosphere towards life, yeah. So we always encourage them to join something, not what the streets. Purpose. Mm. Purpose in life. I, mm. It's the same in the U.S. Mm. You know, same, same exact challenges. Well, I, I want to thank you, uh, Mr. Clark, for coming and being part of this. And that concludes our short interview with Mr. Gilbert Clark, Royal Air Force, just an, again, amazing man, very unique story. And that's, that's a very unique thing about Normandy. You have an opportunity as you're walking around here and, and traveling around to meet these amazing heroes at the place that this unbelievable battle took place. And it's just such an, such an honor to, to meet these guys and to cross paths with gentlemen that we would never even know about. Uh, I personally knew almost nothing about Jamaica's role in World War II. I didn't know how many Jamaican folks were recruited and involved in World War II. I just, we just all learned something every day over here. So we spent the morning at Omaha Beach with our group, which obviously is is the most impactful place here in Normandy, in my opinion, because of the events that transpired there. We visited WN-62, which was the deadliest of all German fighting positions overlooking Omaha Beach. It was the site where more Americans were killed than any other sector on Omaha Beach. Uh, we walked from bump- bunker to bunker. We looked down upon the beach. Uh, we saw the water at medium tide. We saw the water at high tide. And we walked on the beach and just really talked about all aspects of D-Day itself and what happened specifically on Omaha Beach. Then we went to the American Cemetery in Colville, Sumer, where we walked among nearly 10,000 Americans that were killed uh, on Omaha Beach, Utah Beach, and the Normandy campaign as a whole, which is a very humbling experience. I went to a ceremony this afternoon at Chef DuPont, which is just a few minutes from the Chateau. And as I'm recording this, we are preparing for our inaugural Night for Our Heroes event, which involves a VIP reception with our veterans, VIP actors at our chateau, and then a panel discussion at the Airborne Museum in St. Miraglis with, again, our Band of Brothers actors, World War II veterans, also our uh, local folks who were there on D-Day, and a couple surprise guests. So... We're really excited to host this. We have a great turnout. It's completely sold out, which is awesome for the first year. And we we were actually going to record it, and we will publish The Night for Our Heroes tomorrow night as a podcast, so you can be sure to tune in for that. We appreciate all of your your following along on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for your comments and your questions. We will be doing live panels later this week with the Band of Brothers actors, also the World War II veterans, so if you have any questions for them, please send them to us online through Instagram or email uh, through the website or just save them up. And when the live session comes on, you can ask them then. We'll do our best to go through and, and answer them. It's really going to be, be an amazing week. Other than that, we'll continue to post regularly from all the places that we visit. You could follow along. Instagram is kind of our main focus. And it's, it's, we have uh, a good friend by the name of Isla Romberg who is 
helping us uh, on Instagram, and she's just doing an amazing job as we run into veterans and as we uh, meet various people. And we also are posting on Facebook. I have a few things on YouTube, but primarily the podcast, email, and Instagram. That's our our main focus this week. So please, please feel free to follow along. We'll capture as much content as, as we can. And our goal is for all of you to feel like you're here with us. Aside from that, as always, we want to thank all those who serve every single day, uh, who stand on the front lines and allow us to enjoy the greatest privilege of the world, which is freedom. Thanks to the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, Space Force. Thank you for protecting our way of life. Thanks to our teachers and policemen and firefighters and all those other folks who put your lives on the line every day as well. If you'd like to send us any messages or any correspondence, you can reach us at walkamongheroes at gmail.com. Other than that, we hope you enjoyed today's Walk Among Heroes, and we'll see you tomorrow.